I want to talk a little bit about denominationalism. And the reason why is because of the first question that I was asked by everyone that I had a Bible study with in Korea. They would first say, what denomination are you? And you would have to give an answer. You would have to start to explain, well, we're non-denominational. Is that unlike undenominational? You go, well, yes, but it's a little bit different. It's non-denominational. And finally, I started saying, guess what? We're pre-denominational. And I found that to be insightful and helpful. It got passive. People go, pre-denominational? What's that? And I go, good. Now, there's a good question. Let's talk about that. You know, there was a cartoon I saw once where Jesus shows up on the earth. And somebody comes up and says, Jesus, what denomination are you? Well, that's kind of an icebreaker, but what do you think he said? Well, he said, well, I'm non-denominational. No, he didn't. He just said, I'm Jesus. I purchased the church. And you know, whenever we really think about that, what kind of answer do we have to give? Is the idea of denominationalism a Bible idea? Or what does the Bible have to say about that? And I believe that's critical in this day, in postmodern age, when people want to know why that's important. Because on that hinges quite a bit of doctrinal truth. And so I want to answer that question with non-denominational churches popping up everywhere. Whenever you start really studying with them, you find out they're nothing more than just another type of denomination with a different label. But there is an increasing dissatisfaction with a lot of this denominationalism and non-denominationalism because it is diverse or uh, divisive by its very nature. One church believes one thing and you can meet another church that believes the exact opposite. And the distinctions, listen, the distinctions between denominations are their differences. Now that's, I, I hope you can grasp that. The differences, the distinctions between them are their differences. But Jesus pled for his disciples to be united and not divided. In the book of John, in the gospel of John, in John uh, uh, the 17th chapter, he says, talking about his prayer, he said, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they, may self, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but on those who will believe on me through their word, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. In other passages, Bible writers said, I wrote these things to you so that we can have fellowship one with another. The Bible says these things are supposed to sanctify us. Sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. John 17 and verse 17, the very verse we read. These kinds of ideas are in the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, Paul had heard from Chloe's people that division existed among them, and in part he believed it, he said, and then he went ahead to say, I want you guys to be of the same mind and of the same judgment. God was not endorsing the differences, the unique distinctions between denominations. He took the distinctive distinctions, divisiveness between them and said, I don't want that. 
I want something else. I want you guys to be of the same mind and of the same judgment. Is the Church of Christ non-denominational? Yes. But it is better sometimes, I think, explained by talking about being pre-denominational. There is only one church you read about in the New Testament. No denominations existed back in the first century. We read of different church names in the scriptures, and oftentimes people note that. They'll say, here it's called the Church of God. Over here it's called the Church of Christ. Over here it's just called the Church, or the Church of something else. Well, each of these names are not classifying distinctive denominations, but a different description of the same body of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, the scripture says there is one body. Jesus said he would build my church in Matthew 16 and verse 18. Therefore, we often choose a name which shows that Christ has ownership. Romans 16, 16, the churches of Christ salute you. They are Christ's churches. He purchased them with his blood. He has a right to call them personally his and we need to acknowledge that they are his, not some man-glorifying name, but indeed the name that gives Christ the ownership or assigns the ownership to, to Christ. God wants us to be united, and that's going to take some work. That means we have to strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We've got to make sure, we've got to examine, the Bible says in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, examine everything carefully. Now that means it's going to take work. When there is division between brethren, you have to work it out, not just on an emotional level, not on a respect level, but on a truth level. What does God want? It's not your church, it's not my church, it's his church. Amen. And we have to come back to what did he want? What did he teach? It's not about glorifying ourselves, it's about glorifying him. And so he says, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and there be no divisions among you. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. So, as people in this world, we have to advocate for this kind of unity that comes through a study of God and his will. First of all, let's talk about the names of those who are followers. Why do we make distinctions among ourselves that way? In the Bible, those who followed Jesus Christ were referred to as Christians, Acts 11 and verse 26. There are no divisive names in the Bible. We call ourselves brethren in the family of God. But there's, there may be a church that names itself after the family of God, but why not just say we're of the family of God, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord's church. There are divisive names that give glory to men, whether they be names like Presbyterian or Lutheran or Baptist or Methodist and things like this. But the Bible addresses itself to this idea in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. What I mean, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or you were you baptized in the name of Paul? Here the Bible addresses specifically the idea of us calling ourselves after men and says, 
I don't want that. I don't want it. Was Paul crucified for you? Were these guys crucified for you? Whatever human name you may ascribe to yourself, does that give glory to Jesus Christ? My friends, these things are not of God, but they indeed are of men and for men's glory. So those who follow Christ are to simply call themselves Christians. Acts 11 and verse 26. Also chapter 26 and verse 28. 1 Peter 4 and verse 16. Anything more than this is divisive and takes glory away from Christ. How do you become a true Christian? My friends, you obey the Lord. I just had a really good discussion with a man from Russia who said, I go out and evangelize, but I don't have the authority to baptize. I said, who has the authority to baptize? He said, the church has the authority to baptize, but I don't have that. Really? How, what, by what authority do we baptize? The book of Acts tells us time and time again, in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that authority. Jesus Christ in Matthew the 28th chapter said, All authority has been given unto me on heaven and on earth. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the authority for those who baptize. And when we go out into the world, that's what we baptize people. We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, by the authority of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, by the authority of Jesus Christ, for the remission of their sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. So all of this is taught in the scriptures. And what does it do? Does that add you to the church? Everybody says, no, 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 it takes something different to get into a... No, the Lord added to the church daily those who should be saved. That's right. The Lord is the one who adds to his church. The church doesn't have that. We find, we find that the, the, we can, uh, if you will, we can sometimes uh, take authority for ourselves that we do not have. The church is supposed to be ruled by Christ. It's not that the church gives the Bible authority or that the early Bible is the result of church authority. No, it's the other way around. The church has no authority except from the Bible. The Bible is the rule that Jesus Christ gave to man. And we find that Paul in writing to the church at Corinth, again, a church that was beset with division, says to them in chapter 11 and verse 2, he said, I praise you that you keep the traditions as I delivered them to you. Where did he get them from? Well, going right on down to verse 23, I'm going to tell you about a tradition that I received from the Lord. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. My friends, the traditions that were delivered by the apostles were received from the Lord. The Lord is the authority over the church. The Lord is the one that corrected the church at Corinth, who by their own authority had started a new tradition. And Paul said, I will not praise you in this. What you're doing is not the Lord's Supper. And then he corrected them. So, the authority over the church is the Lord's authority. Hang on a second here. Three minutes. Well, I just want to tell you, I think it's very helpful. I began to say to people whenever they came and asked me, what denomination? I say, we're pre-denominational. We go back to before there was denominations of men. Let me explain to you the church of the New Testament. Christians, let's clarify our language. 
let's make sure that when we introduce people to the church, we don't give them a denominational concept about ourselves, but we indeed reestablish the authority of Jesus Christ and make sure that the Bible rules in its proper place. There is one lawgiver, the Bible says, and that is Jesus Christ. Elders are not legislators in the church. God did not give them the power of legislation. But he said Christ is the foundation of the church. He's the chief cornerstone. And the church is built upon the doctrine of the apostles. Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And the apostles doctrine. And we're built up from there. My friends. We are members of the pre-denomination church of Jesus Christ. Uh, Korea and Pohang. There is a congregation of four people. Please continue to pray for it. There's potential for another congregation south of Seoul. Uh, Filipinos are in that area. There are several. Continue to pray for the work. It's going to grow in the future. Continue to keep it in your heart and in your mind. But what we've established there is not an American church. It's not a denomination. It is the pre-denominational church of Jesus Christ.